1: Hello and welcome into airing it out, a Penn State podcast brought to you by the Center Daily Times.
0: I'm your host John Sauber, and I'm joined as always by Josh Moyer. Josh, how's it going? Well, hey, the NFL season is still alive. We still have a little bit of football left, John Sauber. So, so right now, I'm doing well, but but you might have to comfort me in in, in two weeks here.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm clinging to Andy Reid still, as as you know, and as as most people know, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and I still love Andy Reid. So Ooh. I'm gonna, yeah, exa- fair enough but I'm going to cling to Andy Reed and, and what he can do the rest of the uh, postseason here. But you're right. We're getting to the end. We're at, we're at the end of the college football season. Of course, uh, LSU won the national championship over Clemson, which means we are now officially onto the 2020 season. Uh, and, and that means, you know uh, the off seasons here. And that means a new coaching staff for Penn state uh, seemingly the entire staff has felt like it's turned over in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, only three of the 10 of course have, have turned over, but, We've got a new hire at the wide receivers coach uh, position. That's Taylor Stubblefield, uh, former wide receiver at Purdue. Some of us may be familiar with him. He is the second player that I remember watching on TV that I'm now covering, which uh, you know, he followed my cart at, back at Indiana, which is starting to make me feel older and older. Uh, but what are your what are your general thoughts on Stubblefield's hire and, and what it means for the Penn State wideout group?
0: I mean, I think on a lot of levels, Taylor Stubblefield makes a lot of sense. Just the fact that, you know, he's familiar with the Big Ten, uh, at what? At one time, he was the NCAA all-time receptions leader. Until that was, uh, he said that in two thousand five. I want to say it was broken uh, six years later. Still leads the Big Ten all-time in, in career receptions with, uh, I, I want to say three twenty-five. Maybe it's three twenty-six. But you know, he's up over three hundred. He was a very consistent receiver, so he clearly knows what he's doing. But. Uh, honestly, I mean, I, I don't think this is necessarily a, a, a slam dunk hire, to be honest with you. I, I think an offensive coordinator with Kurt shiraka that was great. Uh, Phil Trout one, I think, you know, it brings in a lot of what Penn State was looking for. I mean, you know, give shiraka an A, you know, give, uh, you know, the offensive line coach, you know, B plus, you know, A minus, whatever. Stubblefield, I think, is a bit more of a wild card. I mean, if you look at his track record – uh, you know, w- we talked before the show a little bit, and you-, you mentioned that 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 he was a technician. But, I mean, you look, and he is just such a journeyman receivers coach. He's always coached receivers, but since 2007, he's been to 11 stops in 13 years. He's never spent more than two seasons, you know, with with, with one program. And I don't know if you saw this today, John, or, or not, but I-, I think it was he was recruiting in Texas. And, you know, you have some some coaches, you know, snapping photos, or excuse me, some recruits snapping photos. And, you know, again, this is a guy who's 37 years old. He's not a rookie. Um, You know, he, he isn't. And in all of those pictures, there's this big Miami hurricanes belt buckle uh, that he's wearing along with, you know, his Penn state polo or, or, you know, Penn state apparel. But that just seems like a weird rookie recruiting mistake to me. So, I mean, you know, again, he could be the best wide receivers coach in the country. Uh, we just haven't seen, you know, that come to fruition yet, you know. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how he coaches them along. But, yeah, that definitely, you know, maybe it's just a small little detail, John. But I don't know. That definitely gave me some pause today.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I thought it was really odd. Uh, I mean, do you not have any other belt? It like, feels like, like, like...
0: Oh, just don't tuck in your <laughs> shirt, man. Like, don't tuck in your shirt. Like, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah. It, it, I have to imagine that belt no longer exists based on what we know about James Franklin and, and the staff and how they recruit. And I mean, it's a staff full of uh, basically uh, high-end recruiters and it. I mean, so far not so good with, with Stubblefield on that front. Uh, it's a, it's a really, I mean, I don't know if it's an oversight or a conscious decision or, or what, but yeah, wearing a, wearing a, a belt of the school you were just at and you worked at only for a year or two. Uh, I mean, it's just odd. Uh I don't, I don't know what went into his decision-making process there, but it wasn't a good one. Uh, It was, it's a bad look. Um, And like you said, it it feels like a rookie mistake and a guy who maybe isn't uh, as as aware as you want to be basically recruiting. Cause these kids, they pick up on everything. They, 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 they are very well aware of everything that goes on. They, they're all on social media. Most of them are heavily involved in social media. Most of them, you know, getting, getting these pictures sent to them, you know, it, Fortunately, it's it's a kid in Parker Washington that is uh, that is signed with with Penn State already, and that's done and over with. But you know, maybe uh, there's another kid down the road uh, that Penn State and Miami are both recruiting, and you know, they they just casually, Miami fans casually send them this picture and be like, oh, look, Penn State, the Penn State coach even wants you to go to Miami. You know, just the little stupid stuff like that, that you you would hope doesn't matter to a kid, but it catches their eye because fans send them stuff on social media, and they shouldn't, to be clear. Fans never, never text, never DM recruits, never, never say anything to recruits on Twitter. It's not smart. They're 17, 18-year-old kids. Not that PSA is out of the way, though. It, it's, it's something that happens, and you, I mean, it's, it's just a really bad look, and and like you said, a rookie mistake for a guy who who is well traveled in a a pretty negative sense uh, of the word. And uh, I don't know i I've come around with you on this one. I this this hire is a questionable one to me. If you're looking for a potential, you know, uh, David Corley or Phil Galliano of the hires this soft season, I think this is it because I'm with you. I think the other two were absolute home runs. And if if you're a Penn State fan, you're just hoping that that Stubblefield meshes well with Sharaka, and that's why this hire was made and, and that he's going to basically help these wide receivers they have go into something else and and who knows maybe maybe this is another one year stop and, and we'll be having the same conversation again next year.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the thing is at least with Penn State here, I mean he he has not been uh well, you know, I guess he was with the power five with Miami and with Utah from twenty fourteen to twenty fifteen. But you know his stops at the power five schools you know, it took him maybe five, six years to get to that point. So, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, this is maybe this is his final stop for a few more years. Because again, you know, where are you going to go to kind of move up if you're going to stay as a receiver's coach? And I certainly don't think Stubblefield has the chops uh at this point to to challenge to become an offensive coordinator at at you know maybe any kind of uh you know top sixty, you know, FBS school. So Uh, or even maybe any FBS school in general. And again, I I, I don't know what type of coach he is just yet. You know, I have not talked to, you know, his former pupils. I I have not been able to, you know, do a lot of reading on, you know, what his style is like. You know, I just know what I've seen so far. And the the first impression was was just the belt buckle, which, you know, could just be an absent-minded thing. Maybe he's used to putting that on every day. I have no idea. But the fact that, you know – that small detail, you know, you always want a detail-oriented coach, you know, you just hope that it's, uh, if you're a Penn State fan, that it's not, you know, kind of, uh, you know, a hint toward, you know, something that could be, a, you know, a larger issue. I mean, uh, you know, certainly his reputation, um, you know, you mentioned before, John, he's he's a technician, he's he's a good coach, you know, but, uh, you know, recruiting, he, he doesn't exactly have the, the strongest of reputations. So, I mean you know I'm sure being with Penn State is going to open up some doors for him we'll we'll see you know what he can accomplish this season, and you know I think uh you know what he does this year um what he does this off season uh will obviously go a long way and in and in, in, you know helping us show uh you know whether or not this was was a good choice i mean everybody thought bill o'brien was was not a great choice, and that turned out to be a great one so I mean sometimes you never know uh david corley we we kind of knew from the beginning like uh yeah, this is pretty nonsensical and not going to work. And yeah, sure enough, that did not, but you know, like I said, Stubblefield is more of a wild card and um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see here.
1: Yeah. It's just, I mean, like you said, it, it feels like, like kind of a, a, an ominous sign if you're a Penn state fan for, for him to, to wear that belt and for, for that sort of mistake to be to happen basically your first day on the job. Like The first, the first picture that surfaces of you at recruiting is, is this picture. It's not a good look, uh, uh, I totally agree uh on all fronts with you I, I think it there are you know there's a chance this ends up being a good hire uh if, if he is the technician that he has the reputation for being and if he's as good at teaching it what he did in college as, as he was at doing it then then he's got a chance to be an excellent hire and maybe maybe he's here for uh a year or two and and that's it and then he moves on to I don't know what else, but, you know, maybe maybe that's all he needs. Instead of bringing guys in, he's just polishing what they have, and you and you sort of move on from there and, uh, you know, hope for the best. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a difficult hire, I think, uh, at, at a position at wide receivers coach that these are generally guys that are really good recruiters, and, and Stubblefield does not fit that mold uh, whatsoever. Fortunately for Penn State, they have a guy like Joan Sider coaching running backs who can also help them dip into Florida. Uh, we saw in the 2018 class that they took, or the 2019 class, excuse me, they took two wideouts, both from Florida, and TJ Jones and John Dunmore. So I, I think if, if you're a Penn State fan, you're hoping that Cider uh, can help out on that front. Maybe maybe you see Tyler Bowen pick up a little bit more of the the wide receiver recruiting, Kirk Sheraka too, because of his uh, his offense and what wide, receiver, wide receivers have done in it. But outside of that, I mean, you, it's it's kind of sad that we're talking about this. Uh, basically these other coaches having to pick up slack for a guy that i think the bar is so incredibly low uh for his recruiting uh after after what david corley did uh 2 years ago and it still somehow hasn't been met thus far because of the one, one picture, and I know it's only one picture. I know people may think we're overreacting, but like I said, so this kind of stuff matters in recruiting, and it's it's something that I would guarantee you has been brought up to Stubblefield already by the Penn State uh, coaching staff and, and definitely by James Franklin. And Oh, that's yeah. Something-
0: we're not going to see that happen again, I'm sure. And, and you're right. It is only a small thing, but you just wonder if it's going to be part of a, a bigger issue, which, you know, is my point. But, no, no,
1: I I, I, I get you. Yeah, it's it's – it's one of those things that it's it, basically if, if this was heralded, heralded as a good hire and, and he was heralded as a great recruiter we may even have seen him spin it positive somehow already or we may have seen you know people laugh it off and go move on with it but because he has a reputation as not being a great recruiter I think this is this is a little bit uh, more difficult for someone like him to overcome uh, We'll see what impact it has. The, the 2020 class is signed, sealed, and delivered at wideout. There's, there are five guys that they've signed already, so he'll have a chance to work with all five of them on campus next year. Uh, so he won't have to worry about that. We'll see what comes in 2021. There's a long way to go. Penn State has a lot of wide receiver targets, uh, namely a, a kid Dante Thornton, who's a five-star recruit who was committed to Penn State at one point already and decommitted but is still on the radar. I think Thornton is sort of the litmus test uh, for Stubblefield. field. So that's the name to watch, basically. I, I think if we're going to talk about what kind of recruiter he is, if he can land Thornton, then I think all is well. And, and this is, this is nothing. You know, the belt thing was nothing. Uh, if he can't land someone like that who's uh, on Penn State's radar and Penn State is very much on his radar, so much so at one point he was committed and still very interested, then, you know, I, I think it's a it's a pretty bad sign. But I, I I also think that's enough talk for a wide receivers coach for an episode. Uh, we'll we'll see what kind of impact he actually has on the football field uh, here soon. Uh, as we get to spring practices, maybe we'll notice changes then. For uh, but until then, let's talk about some guys that we know are coming back that will be playing on the field. Uh, and I think first we should probably start with Shaka Tony, who didn't really announce his decision, uh, which I, I think you and I both thought was a little bit odd. He. He basically waited till after the list of guys who declared for the NFL draft came out and then put something on Twitter that he was coming back. Uh, just a small graphic, I believe. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Tony and, and the defensive end room with his return, and how much does that help Penn State's defensive line next year?
0: Yeah, well, I, I think it helps a lot, and, and not just necessarily because of what he brings to the playing field, but you know, you really want a leader who's going to take some of the younger guys under his wing and one thing that we've heard of, you know, constantly from guys like Jason Oway and and the younger guys is just how much, you know, Shaka Tony has kind of helped bring them along a little bit, um, you know, how everybody kind of, you know, looks up to him. So I think having him back for another year, I mean, obviously he's, he's you know, penciled in to be that starter. I think that much is obvious. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, uh, I, I think it's big for Penn State. Certainly there's a lot of death at defensive end, even though there was a, a recent transfer, which will... Uh, you know get into uh, in a little bit, but but yeah, you know, Shaka Tony, uh, two years ago he was he was just that pass rush specialist. He's becoming more balanced now, and um you know I think we saw that this past season. so I think another year for him to you know be be in that weight room and to you know become even more versatile to to be that guy who you know can can stop the rush consistently. Um, you know, I think this is a win win for Penn state and and Shaka Tony.
1: Yeah, uh, and he's a much-needed veteran presence in that room, too, uh, at defensive end. Uh, The team is losing uh, only one start – or two starters, excuse me, on the defensive line in Etor Montes, but only one at defensive end. uh, And the other, of course, being Robert Windsor at defensive tackle. Uh, It'll be him and Shane Simmons as the two guys that are sort of leading that room that is relatively young. Uh, Jason Oway is a redshirt sophomore will be back next year. Adisa Isaac will be uh, back next year. I believe will be a redshirt freshman. I can't remember if he played in the five games or not. Don't, don't quote me on that one, but either way, still very young, only one year on campus thus far. And those two guys are going to be asked to do quite a bit. Uh, and and they need someone like Tony to, to sort of keep everything in line uh, among that group. And I think he's, he's got the ability to do that. And he's got the, be- the ability to have a pretty big impact this redshirt senior year. He's a, he's a guy who's got really great band can get around the edge, uh, probably just as good as anyone on this roster. Uh, he's got fantastic talent. Uh, he, he's a little bit undersized, but we haven't seen that be a real issue for him in the past because he's good enough against the run. And, and like I said, this is a, this isn't just a defensive line that's losing starters either. It's a defense in general. That's losing quite a few guys. Uh, I believe two starters in the secondary, possibly, uh, you know, excuse me, three starters in the secondary, uh, two, two, in the uh linebacking core three depending on the how you consider the nickelback uh and two along the defensive line uh it's a it's a unit that needs leadership it needs order guys it needs to to be a little older than you want it than it currently is excuse me uh i i don't know i i i think they're they're still in position to be a great defensive unit next year and i think the return of tony is is pretty big for that uh just because it was going to be so inexperienced regardless with him, it's, it adds a little bit more experience. Without him, it was going to be a very, very young group where you start to worry a little bit about who's going to step up and who's going to be those unquestioned leaders in the unit.
0: Yeah, Undoubtedly. I mean, this past season, I think it was the most talented unit on the team. And, you know, certainly if they would have lost Tony, there still would have been a lot of talent. But, you know, I think you're right. You know, Tony brings that leadership and, you know, helps give you a bit of a stopgap, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, having Shaka – in, you know, in, in the lineup, you know, allows those other players, you know, more time to mature, more time to get ready. And, and certainly, you know, Jason Oway. I, I, if you look at his, um, you know, his 40 yard dash, his vertical leap, you know, his measurables are something that you just don't see in football. I mean, if he, what he did last summer, um, you know, he does in the NFL combine in a few years uh, it'll be the most amazing NFL. It'll be one of the, the, the five, most amazing NFL combine, uh, numbers posted, um, you know, this century. I mean, he is literally, um, you know, a generational athlete when it comes to those numbers. But again, I mean, athletes don't necessarily make for good football players. He's still trying to put it all together. He's still trying to learn a lot, but you know, having Shaka there, um, you know, to help him along even a little bit more is, is definitely uh, a positive. And I think we can both agree, uh, Jason Oway is going to make just about every major breakout list this, this coming season, because if he's going to break out, it seems like, you know, this is certainly the year uh, where we should start seeing those glimpses.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, just, just a couple corrections for clarity's sake on my end, Adisa Isaac did not red shirt last year. He will be a true sophomore played in 11 games uh, as a true freshman, and they will be losing two starters in the secondary one in John Reed and one in Garrett Taylor, one at safety, one at corner. So, you know, still, so, still plenty to replace on the defensive side of the ball, uh, but yeah, there away no is it, an absolute freak. I think Adisa Isaac has a chance to, you know, hop on some breakout lists as well. Oh uh, yeah, as as another guy who who should see an increase in snaps. Uh, but let's let's move on to that secondary. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, that they're losing two starters. Uh, Lamont Wade is not one of those guys. He is coming back to to play his true senior year. He never redshirted. What kind of impact do you think that has on the secondary?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, a very positive one. I mean, Lamont Wade kind of came into his own, uh, you know, late in the season when uh, by Wade's own estimation, he was also given some linebacker duties that he was able to play up, you know, closer to the box a little bit and, and, you know, especially shine there. So, um, you know, we could see, uh, you know, a lot more from Lamont Wade in his, his final, his true, upcoming you know senior season and if there was one guy we weren't sure of you know uh, as far as declaring or not um you know for us I would say it was really Lamont Wade I mean even last week you know and again you know shared the, the rumors and the speculation on this podcast but you know Lamont Wade he has a, another mouth to feed now and uh you know we were hearing that you know he, he wasn't you know necessarily on campus at the start of the semester and that, that maybe he, he was going to surprise us all and, you know, declare early for the NFL. I mean, you probably should have assumed at that point he wasn't, but, you know, it was, it's just really odd not to hear anything. I mean, for goodness sake, we, Will fries had a huge announcement where he announced he was coming back for one more year. You know, I mean, if, if Will Fryes, you know, makes an announcement that he's coming back, you certainly think that you would have heard from Shaka Tony and Lamont Wade, but yeah, by, by coming back, I, I think it's, it's big for the defense, especially with Garrett Taylor leaving at the other safety spot, you know, it's important not just to have, uh, you know, two new faces, um, you know, in the secondary. So uh, certainly we, you kind of assume at this point that Lamont Wade is you know, obviously going to be the starter again, opposite Jaquan Brisker. And we saw enough from both of those players who, who will both be seniors this upcoming season uh, you know, that they should be absolutely solid there. And, you know, they have some, uh, you know, interesting prospects, you know, coming aboard. And yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't know if I can call the secondary a strength after you, uh, just how much they struggled the last you know five games of the season and and again I know it's not just the secondary it's the defensive line you know generating enough pressure et cetera, et cetera. but you know the fact is that uh Lamont Wade looked very good toward the end of the year I would expect that trend to continue and um I mean he might is he the best player in Penn State secondary right now I mean
1: uh, I would say yes might be uh, I, I think it's either him or Tariq Castro fields i know i know people have soured on Castro fields he's still a very good corner uh contrary to what you see on twitter and what you will see in his his personal mentions on twitter uh I, i'm with you though i i think it's wade uh and he definitely came into his own at the end of, end of the season uh that ohio state game was was incredible that's the best we've seen him play in it's one of the best performances we've seen from a defensive player this year. Of course, Micah Parsons just had to top it in the Cotton Bowl when he uh, absolutely destroyed Memphis uh, single-handedly at, at certain points in the game. But, yeah, this, this secondary has a chance to be a strength next year. Uh, I, I think you're right right now it's not. They didn't play well late in the season, but there are guys that are going to step into bigger roles that I, I think did play well, and I think that could be important, Marquise Wilson being the, the main one. Uh, I kind of expect him to start opposite to Castro-Fields could also be Keaton Ellis and it depends on what Donovan Johnson is and, and where he's at with his health. So there are
0: plenty of options. And Trent Corden too, you know, he's, yeah. he's seen some time, uh, you know, this past season, but was, was plagued by an injury as well. Yeah, I just
1: think Wilson's one of those guys. He's such a ball hawk. I mean, it felt like every time you saw him on the field, it was he was around the football. You you want to get him on the field. He has good instincts. He has good hands, uh, better hands than some of the wide receivers on on Penn State's roster at at certain points. Uh, but as far as safety's concerned, yeah, Wade is going to be the guy next year. He's going to be the one that we know is going to start. Uh, could be Jaquan Brisker next to him. Could be Jonathan Sutherland. But I would be stunned if Wade doesn't start. Uh, he was that good at the end of the season. He earned it and. He's also a guy that we know is a leader based on some of the postgame comments he had uh, and what his teammates had to say about him after the loss to Ohio State. He's a guy that stepped up stepped up, and spoke to his teammates. Uh, you know, I, I mean, he's he's the kind of guy that you want to bring back in a, in a year where you have a chance to make the college football playoff and and a guy that could lead a, a top five, top ten defense in the country. I would honestly be stunned if this this defense isn't a top ten defense in SB Plus next year, uh, and I would not be surprised at all if it was a top five defense. Uh, it's got a lot of upside. And I think the secondary is going to be an important part of that. And Lamont Wade himself is going to be the the crucial piece in all of that.
0: See, I alluded to it before, but it was that Ohio State game, that Ohio State performance that I remember talking to him after the game. And and he had said that he felt that, that was that was his best game in college so far because they used him a little bit differently because they stuck him up, you know, closer to the box. And, you know, I just wonder if you know, Penn State looks at that, and in the future, maybe we see them use Lamont Wade a, a little bit differently just because of the success he he, he had there. I mean, I, I'm kind of curious, you know, how 2020 looks in regards to that. Yeah, and and they like to use that star position, as Penn State calls
1: it. A lot of teams have this – this. it's basically a, a fifth defensive back without a real name for a position. Uh, some teams call it the big nickel, which is or essentially – you're in a 4 two, five. It's 5 It's a safety linebacker hybrid instead of a safety corner hybrid. Uh, right. I Wade mean, is,
0: Michigan calls it the Viper and, yeah, everyone, and all that good stuff. So he
1: uh, – go ahead. He he, uh, he I, I could see him playing a lot of that position. Uh, it moves him closer to the box. It can – you know, when when that position is out in the nickel covering a slot corner, uh, he's capable of doing that. Uh, I don't think necessarily think you want him doing that on a regular basis, but he can do it. Uh, so I could see him move around a lot between linebacker corner and safety. Uh, he has the skill set to do it. Uh, he's, he's probably not going to be their best option in the slot. So I I would uh, venture to guess that when we see them go to that four, two, five, if he's playing the star, that he's going to be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage than necessarily closer to a wide receiver. Uh, but, but you're right. The, that usage of him was the best way they've used him and, and he looked more comfortable. There. He looked like a guy who was comfortable in his position. He looked like a guy who, who wanted to be playing uh, where he was on the field, and and it paid off. He had ten tackles in the game, two for loss. Uh, he forced three fumbles, including one recovery. Uh, just a, a dominant game from a guy who we hadn't seen that from yet. And, and because he was he was so comfortable, he he was playing you know at his highest level and playing up to the the re- recruitment level that he was at. And, you know this was a kid that was a five star at high school, uh, but. You know, this this roster is littered with those guys that were four and five stars. uh, And and so there's plenty of guys with plenty of talent that can step up and and we'll have a chance to do that next year. Uh, One of those guys will not be Daniel Joseph in all likelihood. Uh, The former four star recruit and defensive end uh, is now in the transfer portal. Uh, what looks like a lot of depth at defensive end next year, although the, the group does lose Ytor Gros Matos. Uh, with the return of Tony, Joseph was going to be dinged further down the depth chart. Uh, he finished before the Memphis game behind uh, Gross Matos and Shane Simmons uh, at that defensive end spot, and I would venture to guess he was behind Jason Owe and Adisa Isaac. So what, what kind of impact do you think Joseph's departure has, if, if any?
0: Who? No, yeah. sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's my reaction. Uh, I, I, I mean, listen, I, I think, you know, for players like Daniel Joseph, you know, he's the reason he's the real reason why the the, the the transfer portal exists. I mean, you have a guy who's going to be a redshirt senior going into his final season. I imagine at this point, he likely already has his degree or will have his degree soon. And he's just not going to play here at Penn state. I mean, you have Shaka Tony coming back, Uh, Adisa Isaac, Jason Owe, uh, Shane Simmons, you know, he would probably see, you know, as it stands currently, um, without factoring in any of the incoming freshmen would probably be the number five option on that defensive line. I mean, you're looking at someone who, you know, at best is still probably going to be a third string defensive end. So, you know, his departure isn't really going to hurt, you know, Penn State, you know, that much. He didn't see that many snaps. In, in 2019. So, you know, again, I think it's, it's good for, you know, it's obviously in his best interest to, to move on and find a place where he can get more playing time. And again, I think this is another win-win. It helps Penn state out because, you know, by my count, they're still a little bit over that scholarship limit this year. So they need some guys to leave and, you know, Daniel Joseph, you know, just so who I, I'm sure I'm going to be calling Daniel George, um, <laughs> you know, mistaking him for the Penn state wide receiver at some point in this podcast. But no, I I don't think Penn State really loses anything here. And, you know, if anything, I think this is a net positive for for, for both parties. Yeah,
1: I I think they've, I'm pretty sure they're at 90 right now, they've got to get down to 85. uh, Before, you know, next season. So this is this is another number uh, toward getting down to that 85. Uh, I I think Joseph is good enough to play for Penn State as a rotational guy. I just, you know, at this point, he's he's not good enough to crack the, the top of the rotation with with guys like away, uh, Isaac and, and Shaka Tony, and that's not necessarily a knock on him. Those guys are, are some of the best at what they do in the country. And, and we'll see those guys potentially have massive years. Uh, it, I, I honestly still think Joseph will end up playing at power five level. Who knows if it ends up being, you know, at a, a school that Penn state could uh, could be seeing in the future, but, uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch where he lands because it's a guy that that is talented that played well when he played in his limited snaps at Penn State but just couldn't crack the top of everything and and had trouble uh, you know becoming a starter and and you're right this is why the transfer portal exists it exists for guys like this who who don't necessarily uh, you know need to go anywhere but they want to play in their last year and he's like you said he's graduated he has uh, every right to to move on to the next school of his choosing and and it'll be interesting to see what school that is and, and what kind of impact he can have there after having, uh, having some impact on some games, you know, he was, like I said, he was good when he was out there, uh, just not enough to to be one of the starters or one of the high level rotation guys.
0: Oh, he certainly wasn't a bad player. It's just, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, we mentioned how last year the strength of the entire team was, you know, the defensive line and you can make that argument uh, most years when it comes to Penn state and the Penn state defense. And, you know, it just so happened that that he wasn't at the top of that. But, you know, I'm trying to look up his stats right now. I'm just kind of curious uh, where he was this past year. And, yeah, here we go. Uh, uh, let me see. He did play in 12 games, uh, but he wound up with seven tackles, two tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks. So, you know, that's the type of production that Penn State is going to lose. But, you know, uh, Adis Isaac had twice as many tackles, more tackles for loss, and just as many sacks. So, and he played in one fewer game than Daniel Joseph. So, you know, again, uh, Penn State's going to be fine. Um, no no panic buttons or, you know, alarm bells quite yet when it comes to the transfer portal in Penn State like there were last year. But yeah. uh, we'll keep our eyes out, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I think when we're going to see more guys transfer. We, we have to. Uh, you know, the, this this team literally can't have 90 guys on scholarship next year. It has to get down to 85. So we're going to see at least five more could be more, uh, you know. You never know with things like this. I I don't think there's any reason to panic, uh, you know, unless we start seeing someone something crazy happening, guys. If
0: Clifford so, transfers, then panic, but uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm surprised. You know, again, you know, running back has been talked about, you know, so much just since the beginning of, of 2019. Well, really, even the be- before that. But I mean, you have Ricky Slade, Devin Ford, Noah Canton, uh Journey Brown, and uh, who are the two new guys we have coming in uh, Kaziah Holmes
1: and, and Kevon Lee also being added
0: okay so so I mean six running backs there and the running backs have been asked about it constantly and, and you know they've said you know Ricky Slade Journey Brown they've said that they expect everyone to, to be back next year and I mean I I, I just I, I don't understand how that's going to work I don't think anybody does I mean if they're all coming back I mean you know godspeed to them but you know, something's obviously got to give. I mean, you can't have, you know, six great running backs on the roster like that and still, one, make everybody happy, and two, make sure everybody gets, you know, enough touches to keep them happy. Yeah, so. I,
1: I think you could see, you know, some, uh, some guys playing in different spots. Uh, Kazai Holmes and Ricky Slade, the obvious choices with their ability to play at wide out. Of course, Ricky Slade will need to make better reads than he did against Minnesota on the two-point try uh, if he wants to play in the slot. Which I don't mean to open old wounds for Penn State fans, but still a. <laughs> as soon as one you say plays better are, reads, yeah, that's that's the play I thought of. Yeah, yeah, that was a rough one. Uh, but you know, he's he's got the chance to play in the slot. You can move guys around, but you know, I think that would be a, a pretty excellent discussion for another day because well, we've got uh, what. Uh, Seven and a half months to Penn State football again, so we've got some time here. Uh, to, we're gonna depress
0: to, our our listeners here, yeah. Saber. Sorry, everybody. Watch the Super Bowl. Root for Andy Reid. Hey, April, like I do, Blue White game.
1: Yeah, exactly. So really, we're only four months away from from. Well, if you want to call the Blue White game football, three that's months, fine. man. Three months. Yeah, yeah that's all. But uh, between now and then, you can you can always use us to kill your football time, and we'll give you all the football talk you need at least once a week. Uh, That'll do it for this week's episode of airing it out. You can find us as always on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you want to read Josh and I's writing, you can subscribe to a sports pass from the Center Daily Times at centerdailycom backslash sports podcast. That's Center daily spelled C-E-N-T-R-E. Uh, daily, of course, D-A-I-L-Y. You can follow us on Twitter at, at by Josh Moyer and at John Sauber. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day.